Well, hey, folks, this is Ned Ledoux, and you're listening to the California Country Show. Hey, folks, how you doing? It's Dave Bernal, just Dave, right here on the California Country Show podcast. I know it's been a while. I know I promise these things about twice a month, and I'm going to start delivering because finally I'm getting some help here. It's so crazy doing a radio show and now a video series and a podcast all by yourself. What I did during quarantine is I kind of spent a couple bucks that I knew would be coming in uh, for disaster relief, bought myself a new microphone, new interface, and I stuck it into this roll-top desk. So I am glued to this desk, and I'm, I hate to say it, but uh, you're stuck with me. But that's okay. We have so many great interviews in the can, in the pipeline. I even got a chance in the stillness of life to sit back and take inventory of interviews that I haven't looked at in months. And the timing is great on a lot of these. And then sometimes we're talking about something that's in the news uh, about a year ago or six months ago, and it wasn't as funny, or at least now it's not as funny. But what I've been doing with these radio interviews when I set them up is I probably book about 15 minutes of space and do it over Zoom and have a nice talk and we play their new song from the radio but every once in a while a really good conversation will happen and we'll be talking for 45 minutes and I'll just roll tape and that becomes a podcast which is like kind of bonus just a lot of stuff to sift through so thank you guys for being patient in that today is a good one ladies and gentlemen I present to you a podcast that I've been looking to have for a while here son of legendary country singer and championship bareback rodeo rider Chris Ledoux. His son Ned Ledoux will be calling in. And in this interview, we talk about how he got started in music, of course, growing up in a ranching lifestyle. Chris Ledoux was legit. He actually sang about what he lived and raised his son in the same way. Not only that, but Ned Ledoux started playing drums and eventually joined his father's band, becoming part of their band, The Western Underground. And we just had a great talk about the new music, his writing, his writing heroes, ranching lifestyle, and a little cool story about the day his father, Chris Ledoux, signed his record deal to Capitol Records. And want to let you know, too, if you're listening to this because you're subscribed, thank you guys so much. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that, either on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or TuneIn, and now Spotify. And, of course, if you head to the California Country Show webpage, california-country.com, you can hear not only Ned Ledoux's full songs on the radio show, but we also have the video series podcast, which will be coming out hopefully soon. Also, stay tuned. At the end of the interview, I will have information about my interview with Sarah Evans and our campaign that we're releasing on the radio show next week called Save the Honky Tonks. We're going to do a lot of good for a lot of independent venues out there. Anyway, without further ado, let's do it. It is Ned Ledoux on the California Country Show podcast. Same old hat and these worn out pair of boots. Sticking with tradition, proud of my roots. Raised up on common sense, granddad showed me the way. Staying true to my word, some things will never change. 
look brand new, but it just ain't the same. So call me old fashioned, I'm proud of that name. Customs of long ago. First of all, is everybody happy? Is everyone healthy over there? And where are you, too? Yeah, we're all hanging in there. Uh, yeah, we live in northeast Kansas, and uh, yeah, it's it's really pretty out right now. You know, we've been getting a lot of rain, and uh, things are greening up, and and so we live out here in the country as well. So I'm kind of surprised this is even working. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but, uh, the connection? Yeah, the the connection. Yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for using but, that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we got a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of projects going on. You know, pour some new gravel around the place. You know, cutting wood, planting a garden. Uh, yeah, just. Staying busy. So you're pretty much already living the quarantine life, even, you know, like whatever is going on in the news. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been kind of we, we kind of know how to do this. You know, we've been doing this for ages. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a nice touch. You've got those sound effects of the birds going on at the same time. That's really cool. Yeah, I can hear them, man. Sounds great out there. So um, the new single is called Dance With Your Spurs On, and we're looking forward to playing that on the show. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a song that me and a really good friend of mine, Cor Blund, uh, from Alberta, Canada, Canadian, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's you know probably over the last five years or so, he's kind of become one of my favorite songwriters. And he writes you know a lot of cowboy music, but then he'll write a song about uh, you know goth girls or something. <laughs> it's just a really he's just a unique character, and uh, but he gave me this idea for Dance with Your Spurs on probably probably two and a half years ago and, oh, wow. and uh, okay yeah a long time coming so we kind of went back and forth and i like the idea you know dance with your spurs on and i remember you know a lot of the bands that i played in when i was younger were for like rodeo dances so we'd have a lot of people coming in with their spurs still on and you know it's all fun and stuff for a while but then some guy will kind of whip his foot around and catch somebody in the back of the leg <laughs> with yeah. a spur and then the fight's on you know but it was a lot of fun writing a song with Corb, and the song is basically about you know live your life to the fullest in the cowboy way, and may your rowels still be spinning as they lay you in the ground. So uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, I've played a lot of rodeos in my life, and I'm, as I'm sure you have uh, growing up as well. And yeah, spurs are one of those things that just it just takes too long to take off. Just get out there on the dance floor and uh, make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, with the release of that, I, I know that you're probably used to being asked questions about your father, Chris Ledoux, but I, I know that you guys have been very close. The first thing I wanted to ask, which I think is uh, is is a major part of your story, you started playing drums and started to join the band. So a lot of my audience doesn't know, they would assume that someone who's a, a singer, you know, came up that way, but it's a pretty unique way to get started playing music. Yeah, well, I got a drum kit when I was probably six or seven and uh, just fell in love with them. You know, I, I love the, the look of them, the sound of them. And of course, I didn't know what I was doing right off the bat, but I just kept at it. And my folks could tell that I was really interested in wanting to learn. And so they found me a drum teacher in Casper, Wyoming. And uh, my mom, bless her heart, she would take me in there every Saturday for almost two years for a, like about a 140 mile round trip. For a, oh, wow. about a 45 minute lesson. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to think it paid off, you know, but I joined my first band when I was in junior high, played with that group all the way through high school. And, and we didn't really play that many gigs, you know, maybe 10, 10 gigs a year. 
uh, but we were all involved in things that were maybe a little more important, like school yeah. and uh, you know ranching and taking care of things like that. But then when I graduated high school, I joined up with a different band that was playing more often. You know, we probably played 40 gigs a year. But then, uh, yeah, I joined up with my dad. Uh, I think September of 98 was my first show with him in Pocatello, Idaho. So, yeah, it was uh, quite the trip. You know, I got to play with him for the next seven years, and it went by pretty quick, too. Yeah. My buddy Kenny Liebenson from the Duwah Riders was telling me this story. Talk about what the two-headed monster was. That was a phrase, I believe, <laughs> that came up because you were kind of just thrown into the drum chair for a little bit there. Yeah. Well, the way I got into the band was uh, my dad's drummer, K.W. Turnbow, got in a car wreck uh, August of 98, and uh, he messed his shoulder up pretty bad as right shoulder and you know the doctors thought he might be out for about a year with surgery and physical therapy and being able to come back again and play and so that's when my dad asked me if i'd like to come out and, and give it a try you know and i just turned 21 i guess he had enough confidence in me to go ahead and hire his own son and i, I didn't hesitate on my answer i said i'm your man wow I'll do it. yeah but you knew the yeah. song so i mean that that, that yeah. helps yeah and of course i said well i could either go and start playing everything that you ever recorded <laughs> or you could just write me a set list to let me know exactly what I need to know. And I still have that set list downstairs. It's framed up. It's handwritten uh, that my dad wrote out for me. And so I just spent the next two or three days just learning that set list. And then we hit the road. Uh, so I was his only drummer for maybe seven months, eight months. Then mm. K-Dub made his return. And what the original plan was, I was just going to give him back the drumsticks and then I was going to go sell merch. You know, I was really just going to be a temporary fill in drummer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But dad thought, well, maybe there's a way you guys could figure out uh, to where both of you could play at the same time. And so I was like, boy, that's thanks for coming up with that. <laughs> Cause I really didn't want to go sell merch after playing drums. You know? <laughs> You've already seen uh, the spotlight, like forget it. You already been yeah, the best seat of the house. Yeah. So, yeah, K-Dub and I came up with uh, what dad would call us, you know, the two-headed monster. Uh, so what it is, it's like on one side is your basic, like, four-piece drum set. And then connected is a percussion kit with congas and tambourines and cowbell and chimes and things like that. And we would sit side by side and just hammer it out. And uh, so, yeah, that's the two-headed monster drum kit. And that had to add to the sound at all, too, because I remember, you know, around around this time, yeah, as, a, as a kid growing up, I mean, of course, I, I, I came around to, to country just as much as everyone else did by listening to what I heard on the radio and the stories that were being told in the circles, especially moving to Bakersfield at the time. But it had to have added to the sound because, I mean, you guys were playing at that time, you know, arenas and stuff. I mean, the, the production value probably just shot through the roof. <laughs> Uh, yeah and i know there was you know a lot of we weren't like the first group to have two drummers you know i know like uh oh i've seen marshall tucker band the 38 special and so but yeah i remember we didn't really know what we were doing at first (laughs) and at the first couple shows we had uh, like both kits like the main drum kit had a kick drum and so did the uh percussion set also had a kick drum and so the first couple shows, we miked both kicks, and we learned that you don't want to do that. So the kick drum on the percussion side was 
eventually just like a prop. Oh yeah, you know? two kick drums going. Yeah, no human error. Yeah. No, no way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, it was like you, you know, the guy that's supposed to be laying down the beat, you know, <laughs> and who's, the other guy that's really not. It's like dun, 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 dun. and who's the bass player beat. supposed to lock with too? Yeah, that's gonna be yeah. tough. Yeah, but yeah, that did, did add a lot. You know, I mean even if it's just the chimes, you know, to start a ballad. And there's some stuff where it would only really take one person to do it, but sitting down next to KW Turnbow, I mean, he's my favorite drummer of all time. And uh, I learned a lot from him and now he's playing drums for me. And uh, so it was cool just to sit next to him for all those years. And, and uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Take your coffee bitter, cook your beef steak rare, drink your whiskey straight, Draw to all your pairs Pack the quickest pistol Break the toughest bronze Speak your peace with wisdom Sing a cowboy song Dance with your spurs on Twirl the girls around Take your hat when that whistle blows As you win your last go-round Dance with your spurs on Cause the ride ain't all that long May your owls still be spinning as they lay you in the ground. May your spirit never grumble. Learn from your I remember being at NFR one year, and I know that, you know, Western Underground, which is, for those that don't know, listening, uh, the name of the band, which uh, backed Chris up for many years and, and is now basically in your hands, sir. I remember being at NFR many years ago and hearing, you know, oh, hey, uh, Chris's son is actually singing uh, right now. We should go check him out. I was gigging. I couldn't do it. But that was I don't know if it, NFR was the turning point, but certainly uh, a lot of making the rounds. You moving up towards the front when this happened or was this sort of like a, Hey, we got these tour dates. You might as well jump in with us. How did, how did this transition happen? Well, it was kind of a long process. I mean, if you'd asked me five or six years ago, if I had any interest in being the front man and writing songs and I say, you're crazy. I just want to be a drummer. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it was when, when dad passed away, you know, the Western underground, you know, we did our best to kind of pick up the reins and keep things moving along in tribute to him. And so the set list stayed about the same. Uh, we did release our own album, Unbridled. And so we included some of those songs in it. But for the most part, it was it was basically like a tribute to him. But during that show, I would get up and sing just one song, uh, Rodeo Man, which is really the only song at the time that I knew. And I would just sing it by myself. But then as the years went by, I was also in another band, uh, Dustin Evans and the Good Times Band, based out of South Dakota. And so I stayed pretty busy from the spring through the summer, playing in two different bands, playing drums. But then in the wintertime, we didn't really do a whole lot. And so, like behind closed doors, I was learning more songs and you know trying to get better on the guitar. And that's when I started playing solo gigs. You know, I'd just go into some little dive bar and play like a 45, maybe an hour set. Are these original uh, tunes that you're singing or sort of a mix? These are all dad's dad oh, songs. Okay. And it was the old stuff, though. I mean, I didn't I didn't bother learning, you know, some of the more popular songs, you know, that was on radio. I was learning like Photo Finish and The Yellow Stud and all those old classic oh, wow. songs that I grew yeah. up with. And people seemed to take a liking to it, you know. And, and you know, kind of word of mouth got around that I was getting out there and starting to sing. And, and the Western Underground we weren't 
really doing a whole lot. And this is probably, you know, 2014, 2015. And you were probably playing just a handful of shows every year. So we decided to just kind of wrap it up. It's like, let's do one more show as the Western Underground. And it was in, I want to say it was 2016 at uh, the sixth annual, maybe seventh annual Chris Ledoux Days. And it was a perfect place to kind of wrap it up as the Western Underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after that, um, I just stepped forward. And now it's just it's just under my name, you know, but... But I'd like to say that, you know, the Western Underground, the spirit will always live on. It'll always be there. Uh, yeah, that's that's amazing. And with Chris Ledoux days going on during Father's Day weekend, sad to say that it was it was canceled this year due to our current crisis. What were you looking forward to the most uh, this year? Well, this uh, would have been the 10th annual. Uh, mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean, we're going to we're going to try to do it next year. So next year will be the 10th annual. Uh, but it's it's just a great time. Uh but we're going to have Corblund and uh, and a new talent from Wyoming, Ian Munsick. And so I was just really looking forward to you know seeing Corb again and all his guys and and seeing Ian perform. Uh, but it's kind of like a big family reunion. I mean, there's people from all over the country, you know, comes to this little town of 265 people, you know, and and uh, it's just a, a great great hangout, great party. And I always tell people that. You know, my mom was the one who started this. And I said, yeah, she can, my mom can throw a hell of a party, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a, a neat time. Uh, no matter who's performing, you know, it's just a, a great place to be. Yeah, if we weren't spring cleaning, I'd show you my jacket. I actually have a, a fan of our band. A uh, lady brought me a, a jacket from Chris Ledoux days that she got over there uh, one year and said, I'm going to bring this to you. This is this is for you. But that was really sweet of her uh, to do that. I got to go find it, though. It's, it's around here somewhere. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be on for 2021, folks. So that's good. And we're going to have the same lineup and everything. You know, we're just going to have to you know, kind of sit back and wait this thing out. But, yeah, we'll be back next year. What do you think is um, going to happen to your schedule as as you go forward? I, I noticed because I looked at your calendar, there's some dates that are still on there that are approaching. Um, yeah. Are we solid that those are going to be kept? I mean, do you do you have any any knowledge of this yet? Well, yeah. Well, in our situation, we didn't have anything booked uh, when this whole thing you know got started. Uh, we played a great run of shows in early March. And we actually ended last show we played was at the American down in uh, Dallas at the Jerry's World, you know, Texas Stadium. So we didn't have anything booked in April and anything that was booked in May has been moved to October. And so we're hoping to get back out there at least hopefully by July. Uh, There's one show pending uh, in mid-June. But yeah, we're, you know, I've been watching the news you know, sometimes <laughs> and just seeing Don't some places that <laughs> start to open. Yeah. Some places are opening, you know, but as far as bringing bands in, uh, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but I know that it's not just me, but everybody's in the, in the music industry. Can't wait to get back out on the stage and, and perform for their fans and friends. And but we'll have to just see what happens. Yeah, we talk about this a lot, especially on on this series here. You know, what would it take for us to get out there again? Because we all know that, you know, the bands and the bars, it feels to me like that's going to be the last to open as far as, you know, getting back to to somewhat what is normal. So I don't know if we have to, like, be behind plexiglass or 
or yeah. or <laughs> something. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it, it might be a while for for this sort of level of entertainment. Although I did see that who was it? I believe it was Paul Cawthon or something down in Texas is doing a drive-in show, like a drive. Uh, yeah, Big I've space. heard about that. Park your yeah. cars. You got you got to go in the spaces, you know, and you can't get out of your cars or or whatever you got to do. I don't, I don't know how people are going to pee, but um, but yeah, I mean that the future is ends uh, uncertain for a little while. Yeah, I mean, like you know, when we play, we we encourage people to get up and you know sing along and and dance. You know, yeah. can't wait to, for that day to happen again, is where people can dance. You know, shake hands and give your buddy a hug or whatever <laughs> yeah you know, but uh, meet and greets i mean is that is that even a thing now i mean i mean it's nothing's a thing now but uh but soon i mean it's it's gonna be strange yeah we'll just kind of wait it out i guess trying to make a living on a hundred head of cows barely breaking even we survive somehow the wife's waiting tables in a greasy cafe and i'm building fence for another man's place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many things you can't control The market, the bank, and the weather But we hung tough despite them all And we held it together mm-hmm. The next in line up to you where you go and what you want to do but you know this ranch is home for the next in line i'm just a simple man all i'm trying to say please don't sell out and move away i hope the dream will find the next in line I don't like to ask who people's greatest influences are because I think it's kind of a question that radio people ask when they've got nothing to ask and they, you know, they just sort of, they're not prepared. But I think in your situation, it's actually quite unique and actually would be interesting for me to hear, you know, influentially as you're starting, maybe not growing up as much or maybe, maybe yes so, but as you're starting to write and starting to become an artist in your own right, I mean, what did you pull from? Uh, well, in the early days when I was playing drums, my influences were drummers, you know? So I grew up wanting to be like the next Tommy Lee or Alex Van Halen. And oh, yeah. uh, there's a drummer that played for Charlie Daniels, Jack Gavin. And uh, he was just a monster. And of course my dad's drummer, KW Turnbow. But then, you know, fast forward, you know, quite a few years and now i'm now I, here i am singing and playing guitar and writing songs uh one guy that uh has influenced me and helped me out a lot is uh, my producer mac mcanally you know he's 10 times cma musician of the year oh, songwriter okay. of the year uh you know he's he's been playing with uh, uh jimmy buffett and the coral reefers for for years and so he was the one who kind of opened up that door in my head on how to piece together phrases and lyrics and a melody and there's a plane flying over. Yeah, I was going to say, you're getting crop dusted over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, so yeah, in the early days, it was drummers. Uh, and then now doing what I'm doing, you know, I'm starting to listen to the lyrics of songs because back in those days, I was just listening to the, the drum parts. So, yeah, I mean, Mac McAnally has been 
a huge influence on me. And of course, my dad, you know, just listening back to his songs and kind of taken from that and also, you know, in, in including my own experiences and uh, things. So, but yeah, I get influenced about or inspired almost every day. You know, I, I try to listen to something different, you know, maybe once a week, you know, I, we were talking earlier, you know, different things you get into. Uh, yeah. So during this time, you got plenty of time to listen to all kinds of music, but you know, one week I might be listening to, you know, nineties country. And then the next week I'm listening to metal <laughs> and rock and roll. And what I've been on lately is like nineties alternative and grunge, you know? And, uh, yeah. so yeah, I just kind of take a little piece from, from all that stuff and kind of make it my own. And as a drummer, that's got to influence your songwriting too. Like, Oh, this is going to be a good part to do this because you're probably from growing up playing so much music or, or being around it, you understand, I mean, the crowd getting them riled up is, is, is part of the show, a part of the, the experience. Yeah. And, and I think all the years of playing drums has helped with my guitar playing, you know, cause you know, I got the rhythm and all that stuff. And so, yeah, but yeah, we did, when I'm writing a song, uh, the one thing I wanted to try to do a little bit more on this new album, the next in line album is add a little bit more tempo, you know, so you got songs like old fashioned and, um, well, dance with your spurs on. It's kind yeah, of up there, kind of a rocker, yeah, yeah. You know, just so try to. I wanted to write some stuff that would be a lot of fun to play live. You know, a little more kick to it, and I think we captured that. Yeah, it's good stuff. And talk to me about what the phrase "next in line" means to you, because I, I felt it. You know, a family resemblance, and then I, as I read a little further, it's actually it's a little deeper than that as well. It kind of means a few things, I suppose. I mean, next in line, you know, this is the next album, next in line, but the song, you know, it's based off the song. There's a song on there called next in line. And it came from an idea that my father-in-law, uh, he wrote a poem and I think he was too bashful to give it to me in person or something. I don't know if he was worried I wouldn't like it or something, <laughs> uh, but my wife got it from him and I was out on the road and I came back home and I went downstairs and put some stuff away and there's this kind of crumpled up piece of paper on the coffee table and it was titled next in line. It's like, Oh, here's this poem that he'd written. And so I got about halfway through it reading and uh, I knew it was going to be, it'd make for a great song. And so what the song itself is about is about like these family ranches that have been in the family for generations and, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. And so you just hope that, the next in line generation finds an interest in carrying that on. Cause I know there's a lot of family ranches out there that have family members you know, buried on them. And uh, you would just hate for the next generation, the next in line to say, well, you know, we could just sell off cows and you know, we got so many acres here. We could probably sell this to, you know, split it up into make some apartment complexes or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so you just hate, to see something like that happen, especially a place that's been in the family for, for years and years, you know? So, uh, I guess that's the deeper part of the song. Wow. I mean, you've experienced ranch life, uh, obviously your whole life. What is the common myth about ranch life that people have from the city that may not understand it? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I never really thought about that, but I know like in the movies or maybe TV shows, they make it look like really romantic and it's such a wonderful life. And it is, it is a wonderful life, but there's, it's not easy. And I was talking with my buddy Cor Blund about it because he's, you know, 
like fifth generation, you know, ranch hand, you know, his, he's still living on the place that his family's had for years. And, uh, but yeah, we were just thinking, you know, being a rancher or a farmer, most people I think are born into it. Cause I don't really know of many people that, you know, grew up in the city who just one day say, Hey, I think I want to go start a ranch. You know? Yeah. I see I mean, that a I mean, lot. For, just, that's like the premise of like a sitcom every, every once in a while, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I could be wrong. You know, maybe there is some people out there that, you know, grew up in the city and now they just want to go be a rancher, but I grew up that way. And, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful to have, you know, had that experience of, you know, just kind of hanging out with my granddad and my mom's dad, you know, and he's the one who taught me how to build fence and work cows and, and, uh, you know, of course my dad's the one who taught me how to ride a horse and, yeah. and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, the, the movies make it look really romantic and everything, but, uh, it's tougher than you think. Uh, but it's, it's worth it. You know? Yeah. You're going to have some hardships, but at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's worth it. Well, especially, you know, during this time, you know, the ranchers and farmers are the real heroes. God, you know, I mean, yeah. they're the ones who are keeping that food on our table. And, and so, yeah, make sure you, everybody thank you when you see a rancher, you know, I know you can't shake their hand right now, but, you know, say thanks, you know, and for the folks, you know, stocking the shelves and those grocery stores and of course the nurses and doctors out there as well. But yeah, ranchers and farmers have always kind of been my heroes anyway. Yeah. My heroes have always been cowboys, but yeah, know, exactly. My family, you know, Mexican immigrant status, field working, uh, you know, all that, all that, that typical stuff The you know, all the things that you don't think about that, that need to support this industry. Um, people are getting fed. We're not hurting for, for food or supplies. So yeah, I'm so glad for all those people out there going to work so we can binge watch uh, Ozark and, uh, and get, get, an old keg feeder on the rack, bale of hay on the bed. He's up before the sun each day. So a stock can all be thin. Does his best to make it work. Three kids and a loving wife. It's a family tradition, and this ranch is their life. But there's bills to pay and mouths to feed and an endless list of chores. He was born to live the life he has. Be thankful it ain't yours, but it's worth it. There's no vacation and no retirement plan. It's a tough job to do, but it gets done, and it's worth it. How old were you when Garth Brooks, much too young to feel this damn old, came out? And did that change sort of life for the family in general? Because much like everybody else, being a little small town dude, that's when I first heard about Chris Ledoux. Well, I think, was that in 89? 89, yeah. Something like that. So I'd have been 13 or 14, somewhere in there. So well aware uh, of what? what music and, and, and life and, you know, all that stuff. Well, aware of that at that time. Yeah. But, but I remember, uh, when dad signed, it was shortly after that, I think is when dad signed with, uh, Capitol, Capitol. records. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember him, <laughs> he got home and I remember there was a picture of him and my grandpa to do, you know, you know, hugging each other and had their arms around each other signing. And I remember dad came home with the pen that he signed the contract with. And we didn't have a lot of stuff hanging on the walls, but he took out his 
think he brought out his uh, his riding glove, you know, during rode- when he rodeoed. And he hung that on the wall and he stuck the pin inside the glove, you know, that he signed the record deal with and just hung it up there. So, all right, we got a record deal. Uh, but as far as like things changing, it didn't really change a lot. You know, uh-huh. I do remember, you know, he was, you know, he was able to afford a tour bus. You know, he never, he never bought one. He'd always lease them. And then maybe a couple of years later during the summer, uh, he was able to bring out a family bus. So like the band had a bus and then the family had a bus, which I never went out on the road with him because I had my own band in Wyoming. But I just remember that tour bus pulling up in the driveway and they're putting groceries and stuff on it. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. one of these days I'll, I'll do that. But I got my little bar band here in Wyoming that I'm going to stick with. But, but yeah, it was, a. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I could have asked dad, you know, kind of if anything's changed, but, uh, but one thing about it, I think that introduced my dad's fans, the rodeo fans, ranch fans, or ranching families to Garth Brooks. And then it introduced the millions of fans that Garth had to dad. So uh, I think it worked out for the both of them. It was a symbiotic relationship for sure. I mean, I, I, I don't know how close they were beyond just kind of mentioning each other, but um, but you could feel that camaraderie when they when they sang together as well. So that was that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty good buddies. You know, I mean, oh, okay. it, it wasn't like they called each other every every day or once a week, you know, but uh, but yeah, they're pretty good friends. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, you know, Garth, he's he's got a good soul, you know, and you know he's been very good to the Ledoux family over the years. He's a genuine dude. Yeah, very had been very, very cool to uh, I don't know, have him as a godfather, I guess. I'm not really sure. Uh, how <laughs> well, we got to, we actually got to open for him a couple times, you know, since I've been doing this. Oh. We opened for him in Nashville about two years ago at the, what's it called? The Bridgestone Arena. Oh, right across. Hockey. Yeah, right, right down, right down Broadway. Yeah. And then we play, I think it was last fall, we played for the National FFA Convention in Indianapolis at the Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts play. And that place is huge. I think there's over 60,000 people in there. Wow. You know, all FFA kids, you know, so that was, that was pretty neat to, you know, play for them and, you know, and to open for Garth. I mean, that was pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. What's it like to go from, you know, what you're like something in, in that environment? I mean, you got sound checks, you've got the roadies, you've got the, the ears, you've got all this stuff to worry about. I mean, is it, is it a total departure or is it something that you could get used to? Like going from a small club to a football stadium? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'm really made for football stadiums, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's that's a Garth Brooks venue there. But it was a treat, you know, to just to be on the stage. Um, yeah, we always, you know, try to keep it real simple. <clears throat> you know, we don't have any you know, big stage props or nothing like that. We just let the music do the talking, but we, but we definitely have a lot of fun on stage. We're running around and interacting with each other and, and with the crowd, you know, but uh, yeah, we keep it pretty simple. There's seven of us out on the road. Mm. Uh, you know, there's five in the band and we have a sound guy and then uh, a little brother, Will sells merch and takes care of the travel arrangements. And- oh, there you go. You got to Got to have the merch guy for sure. Yeah. Uh, So, and so, yeah, the faces are all the same and everybody does their job very well. And so it's a, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, but everybody, but it rolls pretty smooth. 
And what are you most looking forward to when we're when we're all out out and about here uh, as far as uh, the music the music life studios playing live touring all those things just getting back on the road you know and I mean I love everything about it you know from you know driving two hours to get to the airport and flying and then finally seeing the guys again and crawling into a rental van. <laughs> And you know, you know, eating at gas stations and things like that. Uh, but yeah, just playing live, and you know, I, I enjoy doing sound check. You know, gives because we never really rehearse because everybody is so spread out all over the country. Oh, there's yeah. guys in Nashville, there's a guy in Utah and Wyoming, Texas. Uh, so we take that sound check time to kind of brush up on stuff that we've been playing for a while, or maybe try some new stuff. So yeah, everything about it, and but most. Mostly, I'm just looking forward to seeing all the fans and and seeing some old friends as well. So I hope this thing gets over with pretty soon. Yeah, it sounds to me like the the way that you run your shows and and really your life is it, it's just all about the fans and all about keeping in touch with what I feel is just like a a family in some ways. And uh, and um, yeah, it'd be great to see you out there doing that again for sure. Yeah, can't wait. Well, cool. Ned Ledoux, uh, where can I find your music online and, 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 and what do we have coming out here? I know the new song Dance With Your Spurs On is going to be the next single. Yeah, and you can find it anywhere you, you stream your music or download it. And, uh, but you can go to nedledoux.com and order the physical copy. Uh, that's what I always try to tell people. You know, you know, I can't sign a digital copy. <laughs> so, so if you order the, the, right. the, you know, the physical copy on uh, nedledoux.com, and we actually got a sale going on right now. So you get uh, 30% off. I think you just type in uh, NED30 at checkout. So then you save 30% all the way until the end of June. We're, we've extended it. Uh, I mean, that's the least we can do. But So, yeah, we just uh, can't wait for this Dance With Your Spurs on single to come out. And uh, so there you go. I love it, man. Sales going on. Yeah, we're, we're extending as long as we're, we're locked in together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and, I, and one quick thing I was going to mention: I, I, I love your your videos. I, I wonder you're doing. You know, I mean, you're kind of funny promotional videos and and your little your little <laughs> bits that you do here and there to remind people uh, to buy your record. Um, and please go check him out on on his Facebook page and and, and social medias because it's, it's some funny stuff here. Just really. Really subtle, subtle nods to humor and uh, and Michael Jordan and all those things. Um, well, I've been watching the, you know, since there's no sports. I mean, I'm I'm probably not a, as big of a sports fan as I used to be, you know. But um, I grew up watching the Chicago Bulls. I think I became a Bulls fan in about '85, maybe '86. Mm. But on the ranch, we only had one channel, and of course, my buddies in school they had cable who lived in KC and I said, well, you get to watch the bulls. Oh yeah. We watched them last night, but my grandparents lived in town. So I'd call my granddad up and say, Hey, can I come and watch the bulls play? And so for the next three or four years, I turned my grandparents into Chicago bulls fans as well. <laughs> That's great. And yeah. uh, so I grew up, I grew up a bulls fan, but that video <laughs> of me, I got the Chicago bulls warm up. Mm-hmm. suit that i've had right since i was in high school good stuff and i was going to try to make this i was going to try to make the video really serious you know like try to do some really cool dunks on an eight foot rim yeah but the first clip i did uh the ball hit off the front of the rim and about knocked my hat off and 
I listened or watched it back. I said, man, this is too funny to erase. So I just made it kind of a blooper reel. Nice. You know, so that's good. And are you planning to go live at all? Uh, like do some live shows on social media? I know it's a it's a bit tricky right now, but yeah, I, I got an idea about maybe getting up on my the roof of the house. Ooh, nice. Because I mean, if this is working fine, I might just do it where I am, but it might be kind of fun to just go up on the roof of the house and say, Hey, I'm just trying to find some service out here in the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll try to do that later. Yeah. Maybe just get one of those internet cables. That, that's what I use for, for most of our stuff is these long cables to get, to, to get some good, honestly, you'll be fine. Most people just appreciate the effort that you, that you give. And uh, you know, as long as your lighting's good, you'll be all right. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Well, thanks, Ned Ledoux, for joining me. I really appreciate it, my brother, and uh, and can't wait to see you back out on the road, my man. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I enjoyed it. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you out there in California soon. Well, there you have it, my interview podcast with Ned Ledoux, son of Chris Ledoux, and, of course, the leader of what used to be the Western Underground, now under the band Ned Ledoux, which will hopefully be touring very shortly. Thanks, Ned, for joining me, telling me those great stories. Man, can you hear the authenticity in his lyrics and his music? If you want to know who the real deal is, start right there, because that's as close as you're going to get to the real deal. Man wears his heart on his sleeve, and it shows in his music, and we can't wait to see him out there on the road again. And how appropriate that we're releasing this podcast on the week of Father's Day. You know, Chris Ledoux Days was going to celebrate its 10th anniversary this year, it will be pushed back one year. So technically, kind of like that elevator on in the hotels doesn't have the number 13 on it, you know, on, on the button. Uh, much the same way. Next year will be the 10-year anniversary of the Chris Ledoux days. And Corblun's going to play, so that's going to be great. Maybe I'll head out myself. I'm, I'm already starting to head out in the world. And speaking of which, if you're wondering how I can handle all of this by myself, I can't. I need your help. So... Write me an email, just Dave at California-Country.com. If you are interested in being a volunteer or some sort of an assistant on our show, we're going to be out in the world again very soon at festivals. And by the way, I have a brand new campaign that I am starting. I'm going to need you to wear some swag for us and spread the word and the love of California Country to everyone you meet. That's right. The California Country Show is starting a campaign called Save the Honky Tonks. We're going to save the honky tonks one by one in every bit of merchandise that you buy on our website available in the next few weeks the proceeds will go to the honky tonk of your choice so we can help them through the financial crisis that has been happening as everything has been shut down due to covid19 so check it out more information will be on the california country website Oh, speaking of which, our radio show airs on one more affiliate. Welcome CMR Nashville out of the UK. You can listen to them online. You can link to it from going to our website, california-country.com, and clicking on radio show. And I believe it airs 8 p.m. Sundays and 8 a.m. Mondays. That's UK time. You figure out what time that is in your time zone, and we'll meet back here later on. All right, let's do some credits here. This episode of the California Country Radio Show is edited by Devin Pangle, produced by me, Dave Bernal, and for JDB Entertainment, LLC. For more information, you can find us at california-country.com. We'll be back next week with Sarah Evans, and please listen to the radio show. 
It is available on Mixcloud now. So all you have to do is head, like I said, to California-Country.com, click on Radio Show, and check out some of those old archived episodes. See you guys next week. Take care of yourselves. And please wear a mask. Man, I do miss your face, though. Follow the California Country Show online at California-Country.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cal Country Show.